Hello, this is Andrew Ross with the Manly Things Podcast. And this is Justin Bush. And welcome to the very first official episode of the Manly Things Podcast. We're excited to get this going. Uh, this is something that Andrew and I have actually thought about separately. And then through conversation, hanging out, uh, realized that this is something we were both interested in doing. And uh, kind of just had some conversations and here we are. Yes. And, you know, as we were talking, trying to figure out what we would do, we said, well, what do we like? Well, we like barbecue. We like sports. We like hunting. We like pretty much anything competitive. So we said, let's just do that instead of trying to sound smart with something else. Right. That's right. I mean, too many interests to just focus on one thing. And what are all the things we like? I'd like to say that they're manly things. I mean, I don't know. We'll find out. We'll get into some things. You guys might rag on us a little bit, but so far, I think that we've got some good topics yeah. coming ahead. Yeah, yeah. And towards the end of this uh, podcast, we'll talk a little bit about what we think the word manly means in the sense of what we say manly. So, uh, you know, don't get turned off too much about that, you know, that whole title. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But for the most part, we're going to be talking about men-centered things. Um, as I said, that's just our interest in life. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So happy new year. Happy new year, dude. 2020 is over. It is now 2021. You know what my pet peeve is? What? When I see the hashtag new year, new me, I'm like, <laughs> come on, man. Like it's the same you let's uh, make some goals maybe, but, uh, same you. Well, listen, I was down in Kentucky for new year's. And so we were driving back Saturday so this would be the second. And you were where? Driving back from where? Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Northern Kentucky. That's where my parents live. And so we, we got, we were driving in Cincinnati and the whole way up 71, the, uh, all the signs say new year, same virus, mask up Ohio. I'm like, what a slap in the face. <laughs> like, you know, it's just kind of like everyone was just waiting for 2021 and they were like, yep, it's a new year, but it's the same virus. <laughs> yeah. Just that little stab, like you're happy 2020's over. And the state of Ohio just wants to put that right in your face as a little reminder. Yeah, the how many miles drive from Cincinnati to here to lovely Mount Vernon, Ohio, which, you know, we do live in Mount Vernon. It's just, what is it, how many miles north of Columbus? Miles, I don't know. I think we're like 40 <laughs> minutes kind of north, north, uh, east that's, of Yeah, that's how you can tell you're a country boy because I'm the same way as you don't talk miles, you just talk minutes and... You know, we're about 30, 40 minutes. Just oh, down yonder there. That's right. Turn up the KFC, you know, don't tell me to go east or west. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So what did you do for New Year's, Justin? Uh, so we had some friends come up from North Carolina and uh, visited. It was a good time. We uh, hung out, uh, went to the Landles Castle in Mohican. Uh, check that out. It's kind of a cool place uh, to, to see, to walk around, look at the lights. They usually have some viewing towers. You can climb up and check out the woods, and, and it's pretty cool. We ate there. It was a good time, so it's good to hang out with some friends, but uh, the real fun was on New Year's Day. That is exactly right, New Year's Day. Um, and just, just so you know, we are both big Ohio State fans. Uh, we're going to be covering sports in general quite a bit probably on this podcast when the game happens. Not maybe for the whole length of the podcast, 
Um, but if you're tuning into this first episode, we will be talking quite a bit about the Buckeyes. Uh, so don't get turned off if you're, not, if you're not a Buckeyes fan. But just so you know, this episode is going to be a lot about the Ohio State Buckeyes and the football game that happened on Friday. And as it should. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, so I was, I, you know, we went down to my parents' house. They live down in northern Kentucky. I usually just tell people they live in Cincinnati just to make it easier. Um, so we were down there uh, Thursday night. We just ate a bunch of food. And then Friday it was all football with the end of the night. Probably one of the best games I've seen Ohio State play as far as a whole team effort game. Like just almost flawless. Oh, for sure. I was, I was a skeptical. Uh, I don't know. I I had two different predictions going into this game. I had one, and the prediction was Ohio State can win this game, but they're going to have to score over forty points. Was was my prediction? Okay. And then the other one was kind of actually opposite of what happened was I thought Clemson's offense might be just fire mm -hmm. and Ohio State might get to score 20, high 20s, low 30s, and get beat maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's some – I mean, we're playing Clemson. We've never beat them before. And there is a little bit of PTSD uh, from the second year that the college playoffs were around where we lost what? I don't like to even talk about that game. I think I believe it was something like thirty or thirty-one to nothing. Yeah, it was a it was definitely a blow to the ego. <laughs> and then last year was even almost harder in a sense because it felt like we were winning that whole game, and that's the only game that I ever you know put blame on refs. I'm not I'm never one to um, you know say well they won because of the refs because I go, I know calls go both ways and uh, but for some reason last year just left a bad taste in my mouth and I couldn't get over that loss. Well, and the frustrating thing too was the statistics were there. Yes. You know, you win statistics almost all but the win column. I mean, and that's the one that counts, but it is a heartbreaker and frustrating as a fan. Well, and heartbreaker and frustrating for a fan, can you just imagine if you were a player and we saw exactly what happened and what, you know, they thought about that game all year. And can you imagine though, I mean, before we even get to that game, going into the 2020 season, um, the Big Ten coming out before anyone else and saying, um, we're canceling the season because of coronavirus. After, you know, the, the hard off season of just looking at that score, thinking, man, we want revenge. And they had to know that they were going to be one of the top four teams. Easy. They had to know that they were going to get an opportunity potentially to play Clemson again and then to have that almost taken away. Yeah. I mean, gosh, what a heartbreaker. And, you know, Justin Fields, I mean, he took it to heart because I mean, he was one of the biggest voices for why the Big Ten and probably even college football got to play in the first place, you know. And I know Trevor Lawrence was a big voice in that as well to get the season started. But, man, I mean, they were wanting that game. And uh, Friday night, we saw a game. And, uh, we sure did. And those two, just to talk about those two as leaders and quarterbacks, I mean, do you think they'll be drafted one, too? I think so. Um, I think it's still going to go Trevor first. Um, you know, Justin put on a heck of performance last night. And uh, sad to say, I mean, we didn't get to see a whole season of Justin Fields play this year. It had been, it'd been awesome to see them play a full season to see what would happen with Trey Sermon and uh, the tight ends coming on out of nowhere and some more receivers other than Olave. 
I, you know, it's going to be exciting to see them play uh, January 11th, but I do think they will be one, two. Um, but I still think Trevor Lawrence will probably get that first pick. Uh, I think you're probably right. He definitely looks good. He passes, you know, statistics and the eye test. In fact, you know, let's go ahead and start into the game. That very first drive, <laughs> I was a little scared. I mean, everyone looked hot on that Clemson offense. They were quick hitting. They were moving the ball. Uh, Trevor Lawrence making good throws and then running in that TD. I mean, he looked fast. He looked good. Yes. Uh, yeah, they got the ball, and they scored in 2 minutes 50 seconds. And the whole time, that whole drive, I was like, well, here we go. This is going to be a shootout. And that first quarter seemed like it was going to be that shootout back and forth. Who's got the last uh, possession is going to win this? Because, you know, they ran down the field. Trevor Lawrence just punched the end zone with no problems at all. But then we get the ball. And, uh, and when we did get the ball, man, did we see Trey Sermon break off some runs and started look. I, at first, I was worried because they, they did it so fast. But then once I saw Trevor... Uh, not Trevor, Trey Sermon start breaking off some good runs. Justin Fields making some good passes. It started, to, it started to feel a little better. Yeah, that run that Sermon had up the sideline when he tried to hurdle everyone, like five guys it seemed like in real time, is like he's trying to hurdle the whole defense. I mean, it's like one guy, but he got hit. I was, oh, man, I was so scared. I'm like, just stay on the ground. Like, I know you want this cool play, but just stay on the ground. We're going to need you this entire game. Yes, yes. Do not get hurt. Yes, 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 yes. That's, I mean, every time I see, uh, especially Justin Fields running the ball, too, it's just like, just get down, get down. But, you know, we, we go down and score. Clemson gets the ball back, and they easily go back down and score again. So then it's 7-14. And then Ohio State gets the ball. And we start seeing something I haven't seen all year, which is some tight end play, because we see Luke Farrell get an eight-yard touchdown pass from Justin Fields to tie the game up to end the first quarter. Yeah, he did. And, you know, leading up to that was the pass down the uh, left sideline to Wilson. Oh, who yeah. was a nice young wide receiver that we're going to have at least for one more year. Yes. Um, so that was good to see, to get him uh, the deep ball in. I knew the deep ball would be a factor. I didn't realize <laughs> how big of a factor. how effective it was going to be going in, especially in that second half. But but that was a good thing to see going into that touchdown by Farrell. It was a, a little bit of a flashback to the uh, the first college football playoff with Cardell Jones just letting it fly and hitting Devin Smith and just you know those big passes. Um, so I mean, we end the first quarter tied fourteen to fourteen. I'm still thinking. I'm nervous. Like, it's just going to be back and forth. I'm thinking at this point, like, 50-some to 40-some is going to be the score. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's what I was thinking as well. But then we get to the second quarter. Clemson gets the ball, and we hold them and get the punt. And, man, did we have a second quarter. Like, I've never seen Ohio State play before. Yeah, Rucker catches that uh, touchdown pass. Which was a weird one. When he threw that at first, I thought it was going to be, an, it looked like it was almost going to be an interception. The way he passed that ball in, I mean, he, I mean, he really flung it in there. And Ruckert basically, the way I, way I uh, described it was, he boxed the guy out basically and caught yeah. the ball. Yeah, he certainly did. <laughs> I mean, and, and then you know, and then just that second quarter, I mean, just opens up, man. And you know, right after that touchdown, I think it was the next possession. For Ohio State, 
Sermon had his beast mode run where he's running down the field, breaks tackles, stiff arms a guy, and then gets tackled on the sideline. But I'm telling you what, when I was watching that, like I stood up when he gets through the line of scrimmage. Like I'm like, all right, this is going to be a good run. And then he starts running. He breaks the tackles. I kept running towards the TV. <laughs> and then he kept running. He stiff arms guy. I'm running towards the TV. I mean, if I would have had 30 yards from my couch to the TV, I would have ran the entire 30 <laughs> yards. But I was so pumped. You could have bottled up my energy, and you could have sold it just like uh, in Space Jam, Michael's secret <laughs> stuff. The secret sauce. Mike's secret stuff. Hey, that's what they called it. That's what they called it. But, yeah, dude, I mean, I'm telling you, Trey Sermon, one thing, when you watch him run, one thing I like watching him run is, like, what he picks up after contact. When he's coming into guys, I mean, he's lowering and getting low. And the thing is, is, like, he can get hit, but, man, if they don't wrap him up, he's going to keep going because he gets low and, and absorbs that hit, and his legs just keep – I don't know how he does it. Like, I just don't get it. I mean, he puts his hand on the ground, keeps going. I mean, even if it's two, three extra yards, I mean, huge plays. And as I was kind of taking notes, but I was using my voice recorder. And as I was listening back through, all I kept saying was, huge play, huge <laughs> play, huge play. And they were. I mean, it every was. run that he would uh, – first off, though, the offensive line was great. I, th- I know at one point the commentators were saying that he had like 80 yards rushing. I mean, he had more than 80 yards, but 80 yards of that rushing atten- – of those rush yards – were before he was even touched. Yes. So the offensive line was just killing it. Yeah. And dominating, which had to happen. Oh yeah. And that's the thing is like like you just said, you know, they were showing where he would get eight to nine yards before contact on most of those runs, which as a as a running back, I mean that's just what you want right there uh with your offensive line to be able to give you those huge holes. But man even when you hit the guy, I mean, you better wrap him up and bring him down or else he, I mean, he's just going to keep going. We saw that from Trey Sermon. So then comes the point where every Ohio state fan in the country, in the world held their breath (laughs) after fields got hit with the, uh, targeting James Skalski. Yeah. James Skalski. Yep. And I remember watching that play. He was going for that first down at the line. I remember just watching it and my exact words was, Oh my, he just got cracked. Cause it, that's what it looked like. Cause I, and I'm telling you all hope, like everything in me just fell. Cause right then I just thought he just broke like how many ribs with that shot. That's what I was wondering too. I'm like, Oh, did he just break his ribs? Um, are we going to see him? What is this? What's going to happen? I feel like we have the momentum. This just killed our momentum. Um, but, you know, he goes out. <laughs> and I there, there was something nice about it that when it, when we saw the replay, I'm like, he better get tossed. And not just because we had a guy tossed last year because, I mean, this was a true lowering of the, you know, a lot of people think targeting is, helmet to helmet right but that's not exactly what it's leading with the crown of your helmet that's exactly what he did he lowered the helmet and that helmet went right into the side of Justin Fields and I I just cringed thinking how bad that hurt because he was going full force and I think what he was trying to do is trying to spin out but man yeah he just got cracked as I said I mean I don't I don't want to give Clemson any credit well I guess I should that's not nice to say but 
you know, I, I do feel for Skalski. You know, they, he's a senior. I believe he was a senior. It was his last game, and at least last game of the season, and he's out. Uh, has to watch that from the sidelines. He's a captain on the team. Uh, you know, that's got to be tough for him. I felt bad for him. I saw after the game, he went up to Fields and uh, was having a conversation with him. I'm sure there wasn't, you know, ill intent. He was like, here's a money shot. I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm gonna take it. And it was just, you know, bad form tackling. And yep. It's unfortunate, but. Skalski's lucky he didn't get hurt with that, honestly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, the way he took that. But, you know, when you're playing those games, uh, especially a high game like that where it's, you know, high tense, high pressure, you get a chance to hit the quarterback, he's going to hit the quarterback. And I don't blame him. It just wasn't the right form. Um, but letter of the law, targeting. So Skalski's out, and we think Justin Fields is done. I mean, literally, I was like, well, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but, yeah, that's where we're at there. And then he comes back in <laughs> with, like, angel wings and, like, there's an aura of gold around him. <laughs> and and he makes I, – I even said, I'm like, right here, if he scores a touchdown, if he throws a touchdown pass right here, like, momentum is just ours. Yes. What happens? Yep. yep, yep Boom! Yep. Drills it, man. And, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is, like, he came back in. I don't know if he went in the tent and got his hand blessed because, <laughs> I mean, good grief, all the passes – were some of the most prettiest passes I've seen the rest of that game. But uh, he, he came back in, hit Chris Olave. Now we are up 28-14, two-possession game. Yep, and then I feel like uh, after that is where we really got to see the defense. I mean, they were playing well. They were, you know, stopping uh, Clemson, forcing him to punt. But after that is when we really started to see some big defensive plays that that really, I think, were probably game changers. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. I mean, just looking at the beginning of this game, you know, Clemson came out looking really good. But then I just saw something in Clemson I hadn't seen, I mean, I don't know in how many years, because their defense, after a while, looked confused. I mean, they looked like they were looking around, and Ryan Day took advantage of it. I mean, he. I mean, the way that they were – the timing of them snapping the ball and what they were doing, they had Clemson's defense off balance. And then now, when we get to this point, when we're up two possessions, we're seeing a kind of a more of a frazzled Trevor Lawrence and ETN that I've never seen before. A look in their face that's not as confident and uh, as, as we've seen them before. Yeah, I had to, I had definitely have to agree with that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, I mean, he stayed poised. You didn't see – you don't see – too many highs and lows from him. He's definitely a, a professional grade quarterback, and I think he'll have a great career in the NFL. But you didn't see that confidence and hype that you would like to see out of your your quarterback in a game like this. And I think that Ohio State just kind of deflated, not just him, but I mean, even if it was just him, even if they just deflated him, you deflated the captain. You, yes. You deflated the man that was going to pump everyone up. Yes, and um, I started to see that. And uh, we get the ball back from them. They don't score. We get the ball back. Have another beautiful drive. And if you have anything to add to this, but the one thing I remember is that play is one of the best plays I've ever seen where where Justin down in the uh, red zone snaps it, runs to his left, and immediately turns back and hits Ruckert again 
wide open for the easy touchdown. That play is something I've never seen something Ohio State do before. But, man, like I said, I saw an Ohio State team that was so mixed and balanced that night that I've never seen before. Because going into it, I was thinking run, 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 sermon, 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 fields, pass. But, man, they were just firing on all cylinders that night. I mean, right before that touchdown, though, what impressed me was Rucker actually caught the ball in the middle of the field. And then, you know, the clock's winding down. He made it to the sideline and ran out of bounds to stop the clock. I mean, that's what really impressed me. I was like, okay, this guy's on it. He's given 100%. He's aware. And I believe he's a junior. So hopefully coming back next season, I'm sure. (laughs) uh, And for some more of that action, because that was a sweet play that set up that. Nice touchdown pass. Yes. And so now it's 35-14. We're going into halftime. Up three touchdowns. And I I said, if anyone ever told me that we'd be up three touchdowns at halftime, I would have thought you were crazy. Especially scoring 35. I mean, and still then, I still was not like, I still was like, that's not enough. Oh, me neither. Me neither. I mean, I know we definitely are completely biased. We are Ohio State fans, but. Make no mistake about it, I did not feel comfortable until pretty deep into the fourth quarter. No. Um, because I know how explosive that Clemson offense is. They're a great football team. Uh, you've got Lawrence and ETN and multiple other threats. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they would have put together more drives like their very first one, yeah, uh, they very well could have been in that game easy. Yes. Well, I mean, the thing is, is they come out in the second half. Uh, Ohio State gets the ball, and I remember we were down in the in the end zone, uh, not the end zone, the red zone, and I remember saying, we just can't throw an interception here, third down. And I remember saying that out loud, and, uh, man, I, I don't know if I jinxed it or what, because Justin Fields just makes the only bad pass of the game, literally the only bad pass of the game, interception. And right then, my heart sank, because I was thinking, man, we're up three touchdowns, we're going to get the ball first half, we're, we get the ball, we're driving, looks like we're going to score. And it's third down. We got, I don't know, quite a bit to go still. And I'm thinking I'd settle for three right here over an interception. They pass it and interception. Yeah, that was a little bit of a oh crap moment. Yes. uh, Because you know how quickly that momentum can turn. You know how explosive Clemson is. But I wasn't as nervous as you would think because Olave had some good catches, uh, had some good plays. In the drive leading up to the interception, Sermon had some good runs leading up to that interception. So in my mind, I'm still thinking, well, we're still driving the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as long as we're still moving the ball well uh, and we can continue that, then okay. Yeah. And that's that, they, they look good going down. It was one bad play. Clemson gets the ball back and has a great drive again. Not again. I mean, they, they go down they go down and score pretty easily, but they take a lot of time off the clock. So now we're only up two. When I, we get the ball back, I remember just thinking, we have to score. I know we're up two, but I do not want to give Clemson the ball with the chance of bringing it in within one possession. Because I'm like, man, if we, if we don't score here and they bring it within one touchdown, an interception can change this whole game and be tied like that. Uh, but sure enough... We get the ball back and we see Justin Fields, his hand blessed by the the gods of football, 
throw a 56-yard pass to Chris Olave. And I'm telling you, and we both talked about this because we were texting during the game. I was already up. Like, I, like as soon as that ball went into the air, I was up off the couch. As soon as Olave, Olave caught it, I was high-stepping around, around my family's living room, uh, probably waking up my two-year-old son upstairs, going absolutely nuts. The funny thing is I was high-stepping as well. Well, I don't know how high I was actually stepping. I felt like I was really high-stepping. In my mind, I looked really, really cool when I was doing it. I probably <laughs> didn't, but I was pumped. I was pumped. There's some more of that uh, Justin's secret stuff in the bottle after that one. There you go, man. I, let's just say my mom was probably a little worried about her curio cabinet full of precious moments in the family room when I started high-stepping <laughs> and and shaking the household but man it was worth it because now we are back up by three touchdowns 42 to 21 going into the fourth quarter yeah it was great i was i was pretty pumped up and there were some other little plays not little plays they were big plays in there in between i know there was one thing i'll tell you one of the guys who caught my eye and it's another one of those deep ball touchdowns was jameson williams um that touchdown pass he caught uh, deep ball, but one there was a play, and I have to bring this up because I just thought this was hilarious. He caught the ball. I think he was he was ran oh maybe just a few yards on the left sideline, and he kind of got like stuffed a little bit, like stood up pretty good, and then you know he's standing out of bounds. The Clemson defenders, you know, in his face. And he's just like looking at him, and then he puts his arm up like he's flexing. I'm like, you just got stuffed, and, and you're flexing in front of his face. I'm like, but I love the confidence. That's right. I love the confidence. I remember that. I remember that exactly as well. But that pass to Jameson Williams was almost one of those look what I found kind of catches because it literally went through uh, two of the Clemson defenders' like arms and just kind of like fell into his arms. I mean, perfect pass. I mean, he didn't have to slow up at all. Um, both the Alave pass and this pass both were were unbelievable. But I said it's just one of those, hey, look what I found kind of moment because, boom, here it's in my arms and here I am in the, in the end zone now. What makes it even more unbelievable, though, is, you know, we're still talking about a Justin Fields that is in excruciating pain. You watch him on the sidelines getting on and off an exercise bike to try and stay loose, and his face just looks like he's in <laughs> – extreme pain extreme pain like he had just gotten hit again yes and he's going out there and making these throws i mean the force that you have to have in your core i mean and i know a lot about that believe me i know a lot about the force you have to have in your core exactly look at this bob <laughs> but uh, you i mean gosh how impressive is that how tough is that guy i uh, that I, I don't know. I mean, because when I saw him get hit, I definitely would not be playing anymore in that game. I can tell you that right now. Because I know every time he twisted, or any time he even probably breathed, honestly, there it felt like a, a, a knife stabbing in the side. When you get hit like that in the side, that doesn't go away. What makes me think that uh, maybe they had some good injections for him there in the tent when he got in there and wrapped it up real good um, to keep him going, you know. But I did hear Ryan Day... Um, he said, you know, he went to Justin Fields right after that. And it did show it on TV. They're getting in the huddle, and Ryan Day, he goes up to Justin Fields after he gets hit, says something to him, and Justin answers, and Ryan says, okay. 
And what Ryan said, he said, hey, are you still good to go? And Justin's response was, I got to be. Or, or some, along the lines of, um, I have to. Like, there's no choice. And that may be what he said. He may have said, I have no choice. I'm doing this. And Ryan Day said, all right, let's do this. And, man, I mean, they like you would never would have thought he got hurt unless you saw his face after him throwing a ball. Yeah, I just hope that this doesn't affect him too much um, for the 11th. For the for the big game, you yes. know. Yes. Which you know, um, after that, Clemson gets uh, you know some garbage time. They get another touchdown, and the game's pretty much well over there. You know, we end the forty nine twenty eight. Justin Fields, those three hundred eighty five yards, six touchdowns with that one interception. But I think one of the best stats he has is a twenty two for twenty eight, and his uh, completion percentage over twenty yards. At one point, it was 80%. I mean, his long passing game was incredible. Trevor Lawrence had an awesome game as well. I mean, he threw 400 yards, two touchdowns. Um, the running game wasn't there, though. No. Surprisingly. Yes. And I think that's that's where we thought we were going to get hit again. Um, because that's what happened last year. Trevor Lawrence, all of a sudden, 16 to nothing. Said, okay, I'm going to take care of this myself. Started running the ball, getting those first downs, getting the touchdowns. That did not happen this year. And then for a second, there was a play. I think it was a. I think it was the punt, and I thought I was watching an NBA game because we get this blindside block call. This is the biggest flop in the world. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, I must be watching NBA. I had to shake my head a little bit and scrub my rub my eyes because like, what is that? But you know, whatever. We're, we were up at that point. I was pretty confident. Believe it or not, at that point, I still wasn't like, all right, I can turn it off and go to bed. Not that I would do that anyway, but, you know, when you're watching a game, there's a certain mm-hmm. point, especially if you're tired, depending on the game, you're like, all right, I know what's going to happen here. I'm going to turn it off, hit the hay. I still didn't have that feeling then, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I think I even texted you this during the game. Like, I'm not going to feel good until we're up by three or four touchdowns with less than a minute to go. And that's just the way it was. Because, I, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. And I love the kid. As, uh, I say kid. He's not that – well, I guess he is a little bit younger than me. Yeah, we're older. Makes me feel we're old. <laughs> we're older than we think. I sound like my dad now. Hey, he's a good kid. As we're, He's watching a football game. I guess that's becoming me now. Uh, bones at 30. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, he's a good guy. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, give it, you know, gotta give him credit. They're a great team. Um, Dabo Sweeney says he doesn't regret the comments, but I, I beg to differ that in the back of his mind, he does regret those comments. So one of my favorite things at the end of the game was when they were interviewing Justin Fields interview, ask him. So what do you have to say for anyone who says that you're a number 11th ranked team? And he kind of smiles and he says, I don't think I'm going to say anything about that, which basically saying I don't need to say anything about it because I just showed you what I think about it. Look at the scoreboard. Yeah, I that frustrated me so much when, you know, Dabo's 11. Okay, whatever, you know. But as I was watching the game and I was thinking about it, I thought, well, for him, it's a uh, high-risk, high-reward situation. Mm -hmm. You say that. The whole U.S. knows your opinion, but most most importantly for him, the guys in his locker room knew how much confidence he had in them, mm-hmm. and 
You know, if I'm going to say, you know, the team we're playing is 11, we're, you know, we're, we, we're the number one team in the nation, at least number two, whatever, whatever it may be. Like, if they won, he doesn't look stupid. Right. He doesn't look stupid. No. If they beat us like we beat them, he doesn't look stupid. And we're having this podcast picking a different topic because <laughs> I wouldn't want to talk about it in Ohio State loss. We're going to be talking about tools tonight <laughs> and woodworking and construction. <laughs> no good sports going on. Yeah, no, no great games this week. No great <laughs> games. But, you know, unfortunately for him, uh, it went in the way that made him look kind of dumb. But, yeah. but you know, I, I get it. I get it more now. I can get it more now that we won. Yeah. Urban Meyer... Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of, you know, did that motivate him? And Urban Meyer, I think, probably had a lot of good insight of whether that did or not. And he said as he was talking to Ryan Day that after that happened, that Ryan Day told him that they had the best two to three practices that they've ever had after that comment was made. You know, none of them ever really came out and said, yes, we wanted revenge and wanted to shove that comment back down Dabo Sweeney's throat. But we have heard that, yes, after that comment came out, Ohio State looked a little more focused and determined, not that they needed to. I mean, because after last year, we wanted revenge. We wanted to win. We wanted to beat Clemson. We've already lost. Now we're 0-4 to Clemson. You know, it's time to to get off the schneid and get get on the board against Clemson. So, But I do feel that that was a little gasoline on the fire of uh, Justin Fields already looking at that game all season, all year. Oh, Absolutely. And, you know, if I'm a player, then I'm going to use that as motivation. I mean, they had to. That that had to be a big thing. Of course, they're classy enough to to not, you know, throw too many slams. <laughs> but, I mean, there's obviously going to be a few. You want to, though. It's, it's well-deserved. You know, you, you've earned the right to throw a little bit of slam out there. Yeah. And, you know, they wanted to. And they probably wrote some tweets that they deleted after they looked at it for a minute or two. And... Um, but you know that those that, that happened. Um, so, but let's get to it. January 11th, real quick. Let's talk about it. Uh, we are playing Alabama. Uh, last time we played them, ended up being good for us. All I gotta say is I'm hoping people still think, still doubt us, basically, because my whole life watching Ohio State, the games that people think we're gonna win, we don't, and the games that people say we have no chance, we dominate. So I'm just still hoping that, like, hey. Uh, yeah, Ohio State played good, which this is what we're hearing now is like Ohio State played good, but you know they haven't played all good this year, so I think it's just a one-off game. Uh, they already have Alabama favored at seven points. Yeah, and that doesn't really surprise. I mean, it never surprises me. They're always going to pick Bama over Ohio State nine times out of ten. ESPN, they're all for Bama. I get it. And you know what? They've not they've not given anyone a reason for them to not be there. That's true. I mean, look at what they did against Notre Dame. How good is Notre Dame? I don't really know. It's hard, it's hard to tell. <laughs> I don't really know. But I know that Devontae Smith is probably the best wide receiver. Um, Najee Harris, probably number one, number two, behind mm-hmm. maybe ETN, running back. Uh, Mac Jones, Heisman candidate, plays excellent. They all three played well in that game. Um, they looked pretty much unstoppable. So I can't blame anyone for not picking them. Um, but I'm 
in the back of my mind hoping that we have a repeat of when we beat them last time. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, even looking at the Alabama-Notre Dame game, you know, the, the end score was 31 to 14, and it was kind of, it's kind of weird because it feels like it was like 60 to 10, really. Um, I know it, you know, obviously 31 to 14, but Alabama never really seemed like they struggled in that game. And it felt like if they wanted to press on the gas and blow them out, they could have. I just felt like they were never scared in that game. And I don't, you know, Notre Dame, they had a great season. They, they beat a Clemson team without Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I know Trevor Lawrence isn't Clemson, but he's a big part of Clemson when you're talking a leader and especially a QB on the oh, field. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So let me ask you this real quick. Do you think Notre Dame deserved that four spot, or do you, would you have rather seen uh, like a Texas A&M in there? Or a Florida, or an Oklahoma, or really a Cincinnati team that went undefeated this year? I want to say Cincinnati, but they lost their, they lost their game. They played a great game. That game was actually, in my opinion, uh, I mean, other than the Ohio State game, you know, that was a great game to watch that day, uh, Georgia and Cincinnati. Um, that was, I think, the noon game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great game to watch. Uh, hats off to Luke Fickle and Cincinnati. Yeah, that was a that, that was a tough one for them because I think they wanted to come out and prove something against Georgia. And uh, granted, Georgia did have a lot of kids that sit out at that game uh, that opted out because they're going to the NFL. Um, and they were winning that whole game. Cincinnati was winning that whole game. Mm-hmm. And that last drive, I never understand it. And maybe you can I, – I didn't play football. And I know you did. So maybe you can give a little insight to this. Because I never understand when it gets down to that, man, we're just down by – I can't remember what Cincinnati was down by. I want to say it was like three or something. I don't know what it was. And they go into this prevent defense where Georgia's driving down the field easily, where the whole game they were playing a defense that was pretty much stopping Georgia the whole game. But then they go into this prevent one. It's let them drive down the field and kick the field goal to win. Or no, they actually scored a touchdown at the end, didn't they? No, they, they won with a field goal. Did they win with a field I goal? Think okay. they won with a field goal. Either way, what I don't understand is Cincinnati stopping them the whole time on defense. But teams do this. They go into a, a safe defense to, get the, to prevent the big play, right? Um, but you see them just drive down the field all of a sudden. I think they just had a lot of confidence. Uh, they'd played well the entire game. Uh, they thought they would be able to hold them. I mean, it was just disappointing. As a as an Ohio football fan, like I was rooting for Cincinnati. You know, I'm not a I actually uh, Big Ten commish. Uh, let's boot out Rutgers and put in Cincinnati, okay? <laughs> I'm sure you're going to listen to this podcast. Yes, like, tomorrow. Yes, but, exactly. And by the way, uh, if we can, I'd like I would have liked to have seen the addition of Notre Dame into the Big Ten and not go to the ACC. But I know they they typically play more ACC teams, but just where they're located just seems to make more sense to put Notre Dame in the Big Ten. I would love to see that. You know, last, how long ago was it that we added Rutgers and uh, who was the other in team? Maryland and Maryland, which Maryland has been you know, two biggies. <laughs> when it happened, I was like, really, this is what we're doing to add to the Big Ten, but Maryland actually had a decent season this year. But anyway, I never really answered your question. Yes, let's So hear it. I would not pick Cincinnati. I guess you'd have to give 
Texas A&M, you, you would have had to give them that spot, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they probably would have... I think they actually probably would have played better than Notre Dame in that game. Uh, I think that anyone you would have put maybe besides Ohio State uh, against Alabama in that first playoff game, um, Alabama's going to beat them. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. I mean, Notre Dame was coming into a game against Alabama after they just got beat pretty handedly in the ACC championship against Clemson. So they were coming in off a a pretty bad loss against a really good Alabama team. And uh, like you said, I mean, even if it was Texas A&M there, um, we saw what Alabama did to Texas A&M earlier in the year. So there's that argument, too. Who wants to see that again? You know, they lost by three or four touchdowns. And that's probably why they, they, the committee didn't do it. I mean, plus, you know, who's going to get ratings? How many? What's the fan base of Notre Dame? It's pretty big. Yeah. You're going to get more views. You're going to get more ratings. Yep. That's the better television game to play. And, you know, I think everyone knew how it was going to end anyway. Yeah. Well, let's just have fun real quick. If we were to expand this to an eight-team playoff, here's what it would have looked like this year. Alabama and Cincinnati. Now, I think it had been fun to see Cincinnati in there, but we know how that one probably would have ended. Then you have Notre Dame, Texas A&M. I think that would have been a good game. I think Texas A&M beats Notre Dame. I think so, too, and I have some friends that are going to be very mad for saying that. But, yes, Texas A&M will win that game. Um, Actually, Texas A&M actually ended up playing North Carolina in a bowl game this year, and it was a pretty close game until the fourth quarter. Texas A&M kind of spanked them in the fourth quarter per se um, and that's another game that Notre Dame was probably their next biggest game was against North Carolina and they barely beat them so I think it would have been a good game I think they would have matched up well ultimately I think Texas A&M would have pulled it out and then you have Clemson and Florida that could have been interesting I mean Florida gave Alabama a, a little bit of fit with the, their high speed play um, but I, ultimately I still think Clemson would have came out there after watching Ohio State put the beat down on them, it might have been a closer game. <laughs> it it might have been a closer game. That's true. Um, Clemson struggled in a couple games this year. Yeah. Yep. So, I don't know. I, I'll give it to Clemson, but I think that would have been a really good game to watch. And then another team that we have some have some bad blood with would have been Ohio State and Oklahoma. When I say bad blood, I just think of Baker Mayfield. <laughs> That's basically all I think of. You know, <laughs> I felt that way for a long time. And now that he's with the Browns, I'm actually wearing my Browns hat. We're recording this on Sunday. So the Browns have just made the playoffs since two, the first time since 2002. So I'm wearing my Browns hat, loud and proud. Love Baker Mayfield now. Didn't then. Love him now. And so, yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. It's whatever now. Yeah. So that's what an 18 playoff would look like. I think, I think it'd be good to do it because – Anymore, I think all these bowl games are, I don't want to say meaningless, but it's almost like if you're not in the playoffs, a lot of these teams have big names that are going into the NFL draft. They're just opting out because it's like, I don't care to play in this bowl game and possibly risk it. So why not expand it to eight? I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, you're going to get more views in games. Uh, You're going to generate more revenue. I mean, it's going to do nothing but make more money for the NCAA. And television companies and, and anyone and everyone associated with it. Now, yeah. this year, probably not the year you want to do it. 
uh, with COVID and <laughs> and you know ticket sales. Yeah, I think for the Ohio State Clemson game, it was three thousand tickets, fifteen hundred to each team. So you know it's this is not the year you want to do it. Do I think they should expand? Absolutely, I do. Um, it just makes it more fun from a college football fan perspective and and all around just more fun. And yeah. I think there's probably a lot of, like the Notre Dame. Should Notre Dame have been ranked where they were? I don't know. Would they have lost had they played a team like a, I know it wasn't in this one, but if they would have played like a Florida, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they probably would have lost. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I, I would love seeing it. One of the biggest things is all the money that comes with bowl games. We'll just make all these bowl games, and you can still get the money. We can see it, make it better, and give those low-market teams a chance to come in and maybe prove something. Um, even if it's not winning, come and prove something or make that Cinderella story in college football. Let UCF uh, have their chance at it so they're not, like, <laughs> claiming that they're the champions or whatever down there. There you go. There you go. All right, well, that takes us to what we are going to be calling in our podcast the 6-5 segment. 6-5. Six, 6-5. Five. Six, five. So 6-5. So we said we were going to talk a little bit about what manly things means to us. So both of us are very strong Christ followers. Faith is a big part in both of our lives. Um, and so when we talk 6-5, we were referring to the verse Deuteronomy 6-5. And uh, that verse Deuteronomy 6-5 is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so the the basic premise behind this podcast as we were talking is, well, what are things we like talking about? Well, guy stuff, sports. Um, but we're not saying that just th- these things are manly. What we are saying and what we want to talk about, what we want to prove is that the most important thing as a man to us is no matter what you do, is that you're doing it with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, to the glory of God, no matter what it is, whether it's uh, cooking, whether it's running marathons, whether it's playing sports, watching sports, uh, being a dad. We'll be talking about parenting here. We're both fathers, husband. Uh, We're both married. No matter what it is, to be a man is to do it with the best and all you have for God. Yeah, I will. We both ultimately, you know, agree with this. This is something that, in fact, we talked about naming the podcast the 6-5 podcast um, because this is an important part of our lives. Um, and I understand that there may be some people listening that uh, faith is not a big part of your life, um, and that's okay. I think that you can listen to this segment still, and there's going to be topics and principles that we take um, that you're still going to agree with that will align with the way you think um, no matter what your beliefs are Um, and I think that you'll gain something from it you know we're not trying to uh, push or force anything onto anyone uh, by any means but you know we would be doing a disservice to um, ourselves um, if we didn't you know be forthright with what drives us, what motivates us, and why do we do the things that we do? And that's, um, you know, to the glory of God. And so we're going to, you know, have our conversations um, at the end here, a little short devotional. Um, And in fact, you know, this verse, just following um, uh, Deuteronomy 6.5, it talks about, 
you know, you should be out, you know, talking to others about this, um, talking to others about your faith and the laws and, uh, and, you know, loving God with all, all of your strength, uh, all of your heart. Um, so it's really something that we're called to do. Um, so we're going to do that. And I think that, uh, this is something that everyone can benefit from no matter what walk you are in life, no matter what you think, no matter what you believe. And, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, we, we really hope you enjoy it. Like I said at the beginning of this, this was a very strong Ohio State podcast, but we figured, hey, what better way to start this podcast and talk about the thing that we love the most, which is Ohio State football. Um, but bear with us. If you're not an Ohio State fan, we're going to be talking about all kinds of subjects coming up, You know, whether it's running marathons, whether it's archery. Um, no matter what it is, we're going to be talking about it. We're going to talk about why we do it, what gives us purpose in doing it, and we hope that you enjoy it. Yep, everyone take care and like us on Facebook. Uh, like us on, follow us on Instagram and um, on Apple Podcasts. Give us a like, subscribe, and leave a comment, please, if you like what you hear. And always remember, stay manly, my friends. Stay manly.